It is time for midday. It's 1130 at KRVN. It's the fifth day of April. It's Monday. Hope you got a great Easter. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Jason Jorgensen is in sports. Quickly talk about that fantastic men's college game. Uh, the final four this past weekend. Stanford women winners as well. And uh, women's college hoops. Bob Brogan will step in. He'll tell us how Sox are performing to start this new week. And of course... These temperatures, gorgeous, summer-like temperatures. We'll hear more about that with Paul Perkins coming up in just about uh, 15 minutes or so. But let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield. And uh, Susan, do you have a a good Easter? I did. Uh, It was kind of quiet, and quiet's okay once in a while. But we had, we got like potatoes and onions planted and planted some trees. So yeah, we had a good Easter. It was a busy Easter, it sounds like. It was. It was. Very good. Well, what do you have uh, coming up for us on Midday? Well, Alex is going to kick everything off here at 1219 as she talks with a Kansas rancher and Kansas Beef Council vice chair, recapping a recent Beef Insights webinar. He'll also share about a new app that turns recipes into a grocery list. You heard me right. That's going to make life easy for a lot of people. Uh, Clay, even though he's on vacation, is going to finish up a conversation that they started last Friday with Dick Helms of Flying H Genetics on his roughage and ready bulls. So you'll hear that at 1245. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117. This happens to be agronomy week, a chance to uh, showcase some agronomists and thank them for what they do. But more importantly, you're going to learn how your agronomy questions through social media, et cetera, can turn into scholarship dollars for FFA. We'll have more on that at 117. All right, very good. We'll catch up with you here in just a few minutes. Sounds good. All right, let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen in sports and Wow, the weekend in college hoops uh, this past Saturday. It was, and the semifinal between Gonzaga and UCLA, certainly a game to remember, of course, especially with the social media now, everyone gets on there, this is the greatest game I've ever saw. It, it was pretty good. Yeah. It, it, it ranks yeah. right up there, especially no. with the ending. The entire <laughs> game was fantastic, and going right down, you think you're going to overtime, catches in almost a half quarter. It was, it was great. It was great. And no reason for UCLA to hang their heads. Those guys mm-hmm, showed up mm-hmm. and played incredible basketball on Saturday night. An 11 seed. The first four. They make it all the way through and they almost knocked off the top overall seed. So good for them. How, how do you feel about tonight by the way? I like Baylor. You know, I've, I've kind of changed my tune from what I saw. I think they're more athletic than Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga wins, but I I understand your case for Baylor. And you also have to wonder if like the emotions is, you know, is that too much now for Gonzaga? There's I'll say this, there's no way tonight lives up to what we saw on Saturday night. There's there's <laughs> no way. So. There's, there's 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 no way. The only way is again, if you do another half quarter for for the national championship mm-hmm. in overtime or at the end of the Regulation. Well, well that see. was just such a well-played game on Overall. Saturday yep, night right. between those yep. two. It flowed. It was great. It had a great ending. I mean, that that's good stuff. Look forward tonight. I don't think any either team runs away with anything, No, I wouldn't though. think so either. So Husker Baseball played well this past week. They weekend, did one, uh, two out of three from Illinois. Okay, very good. All right, let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. How are stocks performing? Stocks are off to a strong start. Uh, the S&P 500 is on track to beat the record, record high it set last week. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court is siding with Google in a billions of dollars copyright dispute with Oracle. The case has to do with Google's creation of the Android operating system. Also, the uh, U.S. services sector, which employs most Americans, recorded a record growth in March as orders, hiring, and prices all surged. Details on those coming up in the business news. All right, thank you very much. 
Time for regional ag weather update. Paul Perkins is in the studio, and goodness gracious, we're really <laughs> getting a taste of summertime weather with all the, the temperatures we had yesterday and again today. Yeah, a lot of people can actually say they went through their warmest Easter ever because wow. even though that Easter mm-hmm. holiday does vary, uh, many of us uh, saw a record or near-record highs into the upper 80s to about 90. McCook and Hill City yesterday with afternoon highs of 91 degrees. Wow, that's incredible. I'll tell you what, we went home for obviously Easter break uh-huh. and uh, we went golfing late afternoon. Everybody else had the same thought process. Everybody must have got done eating dinner at the same time, packed out there. Everybody was enjoying it. I mean, it was perfect weather. Yeah, work off that Easter ham, and it was a great day to do that, uh, whether you were walking or, yeah, doing some kind of a leisurely activity like some golfing. Now, there is a chance that, uh, obviously, things are going to change, get back to uh, spring-like temperatures in the future, but also some weather could be moving in and potential severe weather. Yeah, we have a cold front diving south today, and then that's going to team up with some low pressure moving across the area for tomorrow. Could see some scattered thunderstorms late today through tonight with that cold front moving through. But then tomorrow, those thunderstorm chances increasing to likely. But right now, not expecting too much of a severe weather outbreak. Uh, you know, a marginal risk of severe storms still in the outlook across the area. But uh, at best, we'll probably see some uh, large hail and damaging winds as the main threats. And not a really big severe weather threat either today or tomorrow. Okay, well, that's good to know. But for right now, we're seeing mostly 70s, even some 80s up in the Sandhills. Yes, uh, right, around a long, right along a line from about Ainsworth down to Thetford on into northeast Colorado and the Ogallala area temperatures currently in the upper 60s to the low 70s. Either side of that line, we do have temperatures for the most part in the upper 60s to the low 70s. After many of us recorded a record warm Easter yesterday, near record highs in the upper 80s once again expected for much of the region today. South winds on the breezy side ahead of strengthening low pressure. Scattered rain and thunderstorms will be possible this afternoon through tonight with that cold front diving to the south. Thunderstorm chances increasing tomorrow to likely through tomorrow night as that low pressure and cold front do team up and track to the east. As the low pulls away, still some slight rain chances lingering on into Wednesday night. Some storms this afternoon through tomorrow night. Once again, a possibility of strong to severe activity with strong winds and large hail as the main threats. Many locations expected to see rain totals with the system from a half inch to an inch between now and tomorrow night. Our temperatures tomorrow still about 10 degrees warmer than usual for many locations. Wednesday on the other side of that 10 degrees cooler than average and it's going to add to the chill with some northwest winds on Wednesday gusting up to about 40. The current outlook indicates some dry weather with highs in the 60s for Thursday through the weekend. Since there are some forecast model uncertainties it does pay a he to maybe pay attention to this. The current outlook could change as some forecast models verify with another cold front dropping south late in the week. So maybe a little bit cooler than those highs in the 60s for late in the week into the weekend. In the latest long-term forecast, seasonal or near-normal temperatures are predicted for Nebraska and Kansas this weekend through April 18th. Rainfall this weekend through the 18th looks to be slightly above normal for Nebraska and Kansas. Key weather factors impacting the markets include a few storms this week, bringing moderate rain for the Midwest, some rain chances for the Northern Plains, and some possibly heavy rain for Argentina. This week, a slow-moving storm will intensify over the nation's midsection. The storm should cross the Central Plains tomorrow into Wednesday, reaching the upper Great Lakes by Friday. Most of the precipitation falling is rain, with five-day totals about one to two inches 
in the upper Midwest. A few severe storms may dot the plains Midwest and South in the next few days, while windy and dry weather will contribute to an enhanced wildfire threat across parts of the southern plains. The rains across the Midwest should help to increase soil moisture for some drier areas. A few systems will also bring chances for more rain in the Midwest by next week. In the northern plains, showers likely from the passing systems, but the rains don't look like drop busters. Southern plains rainfall this last month did do a good job of delaying or reducing the drought. The drought has been trying to build back in this last week. For Argentina, a system will slowly move to the north by late Wednesday through the weekend with continuous periods of showers producing heavy rainfall over southern and central growing areas of Argentina. That rain actually untimely for maturing crops and could cause some quality issues. So it's nice, that, along with the beautiful weather we're having, that we'll see at least a little rain. Well, it might not be a ton. At least we're going to see some in the future. And I think a lot of people, after these warm temperatures that we've had over the last few days, probably could, would take a, a good rain right sure. now. Okay, very good. Uh, for a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Right, thank you. Kansas Beef Council recently held its Beef Insights webinar, and today we're going to learn all about that webinar with Randall Debler. He is a Kansas rancher and also serves as the vice chair for the Kansas Beef Council. Randall, tell us a little bit about this webinar and what it covered. Sure. Um, So we were calling this our first ever Beef Insights webinar, and we hope to have a series of uh, these webinars. And this one uh, centered around the idea of consumer demand and more specifically what has happened with uh, beef demand and consumer preferences through this last year of, of really uncertainty. Uh, now that some of the data has come in, we were able to take kind of a, a good hard look at what happened as far as beef demand and and consumer preferences. So as a producer and serving on the Kansas Beef Council, you kind of have a dual role. What would you say were some of those key takeaways from that Beef Insights webinar? Well, for me, some of the key takeaways is we were able to highlight some of the things that the uh, Beef Checkoff has funded, um, both on the research side and then also uh, some of the things we funded to help connect with those consumers. Uh, One of the big changes that we saw was a lot of e-commerce through this uh, pandemic, a lot of people were um, ordering their groceries online and going and picking them up. And one of the neat things that I think that the checkoff has done is they have partnered with an, uh, an app called Chicory. And this app has a lot of beef recipes on it, and you can look through there and find something that you like, and it will automatically put the ingredients for this beef recipe onto your your grocery list and you can just go to the grocery store and pick up and you've got everything you need to make this this beef entree it's a great way uh, one to keep uh, beef in the center of that plate and and also it provides such a, a great uh, tool for uh, ease of use and, and convenience well Randall as we think about what's coming next for beef producers beef consumers the beef industry as a whole what are some things that you guys have in store well, uh, we're going to do some more things along those lines. We've, we've uh, talked with Target and some other places um, to do some similar things to this chicory. You know, I wish my crystal ball has been broken for years, but, um, you know, who would have ever foreseen 
COVID and, and the impacts that it has made. Um, so there's a lot of things, you know, we, we're, we're trying to stay focused on the things in the past that have really helped, uh, we feel, move the needle as far as, as keeping beef top of mind to the consumer. Uh, we're, we're not going to give up on those. And this thing has really opened up some other avenues and, and ways for us to connect with people um, as far as Kansas uh, Beef Council has, we've started a website where we're connecting uh, people with uh, uh, freezer beef producers, local producers. There's a website where you can go and, and search maybe your county even, who in that county is, um, does freezer beef. And so we're, we're looking for avenues like that, you know, to help connect people. All right. Great information, Randall. Thanks so much. That again is Randall Debler joining us. He is a rancher in Kansas and also serves as the vice chair on the Kansas Beef Council. And for more information, all you need to do is go to their website. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their Chekhov. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen joining us once again in the studio. And Well, Jason, it was a fun past weekend of uh, college basketball. It was, especially that second game that people are still talking about, Gonzaga against UCLA. Title game is tonight, top-seeded, undefeated, number-one-ranked Gonzaga against Baylor, who had spent most of the year ranked number two. The Bulldogs are the first team to bring an undefeated record into the title game since Larry Bird in Indiana State mm. back in 1979. Of course, Bird lost that game to Magic Johnson. Mm. So, uh, Gonzaga, if they win tonight, would become the first team since the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers to go undefeated. It's crazy that there it's been that long since there's been one team. I feel like there's been so many dominant teams since 76. And no one's got undefeated. I know you're too young to remember, but that UNLV bunch they mm-hmm, had, mm-hmm. And, and then they got knocked off the next year in the semis by Duke. So it's it's tough to do. Yeah. See if Gonzaga can make history tonight. Nebraska is the number five seed in the NCAA volleyball tournament that will begin later on this month in Omaha. Coach John Cook had this initial take on where the Huskers were seated. I don't worry too much about our seeds. I mean, right now, you know, what I'm worried about is we got to play a team that's going to play one day in front of us, and and we're going to go three weeks without having played a match. So that's my biggest concern: is how do I get our team ready to be able to play a match and play a high level. So that's going to be a big challenge. That's a valid concern. Nebraska will not play until April 15th at 2.30 against the winner of Texas State-Utah Valley. The top 16 seeds all received first-round bye. By the way, this is all in Omaha they're playing, but is it all at the Central Link or whatever that place is called now? CHI, yeah. Health Center, yep. So they'll just rotate in and out. Mm -hmm. Or are they going to have two separate courts there? I think there's two separate courts from what I saw. And it is interesting in the early rounds of the tournament, they're not allowing just run-of-the-mill fans in. You either have to have a connection to the coach or they'll give a couple of tickets for family. It's not until they get deeper into the tournament that they'll actually sell tickets. What difference does that make? Tyler, I don't know. (laughs) Why are there 48 teams and not 64? (laughs) 
Husker baseball took two out of three from Illinois over the weekend. They are back at home this week against Maryland. UNK celebrated Senior Day with a sweep of 13th-ranked Washburn on Saturday. All three sets were close, but the Lopers played well down the stretch. Anna Squires and M.K. Wolf led the charge with 12 kills apiece, while Squires also had four blocks. Center Matty Squires also had a big match. Head coach Rick Squires was impressed with how the Lopers played. They have a high volleyball IQ. They compete really hard, and they make something... That isn't easy. Look pretty easy sometimes. And, uh, you know, we've seen what Washburn's been doing to people since we played them last. And so for us to come in here and, and win like we did, uh, you know, it's just fun to be a part of. UNK is now 12-2 and two on the spring. You were asking deep, pertinent questions a moment ago. Why is there a Division One volleyball tournament and not a Division Two? It had been great to see this bunch of lopers, even though they're a little shorthanded this spring, right, yeah. maybe make another run toward the title. Questions we will never get answered or get the answers. That we I think we know the answer. It comes down to money. Yeah, and former it. UNK star Connor Baronic, he's been named the new head boys basketball coach at Wood River. So, best of luck to him. Congratulations mm-hmm. to him. Yep, All right, very good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder has stepped in. Uh, did you have a good Easter? I had a nice Easter. Yes, I did. Weather was beautiful. It's going to oh, continue to be great. Yes. It's like a little taste of summer. Absolutely. It was fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, the state of Nebraska, though, as we look here at our newscast, uh, seeing an uptick in uh, coronavirus cases. Yes. In fact, uh, during his briefing this morning, Governor Pete Ricketts says the state of Nebraska has seen an uptick in some of the metrics it uses to track the prevalence of coronavirus in Nebraska. So we had 18 weeks in a row where our hospitalizations were declining, and then last week they rose. And last week, our positivity rate for the state went above 5% for the first time in eight weeks. So we are seeing more virus out there in the community. And so Ricketts is asking Nebraskans to continue such measures as keeping six foot of distance from others in public, wearing a mask, washing hands often, and avoiding the three C's of crowded places, close contacts, and confined spaces. Meanwhile, former CDC director Dr. Tom Frieden says because coronavirus variants spread more easily and are more deadlier, this is not the time to relax. He says the only way to end the pandemic is through the vaccinations and that those with concerns about the vaccines can rest at ease. It's so important to understand that this technology has been under development for more than a decade. Yes, it got approved quickly, but that's because they cut red tape. They didn't cut corners. Nearly all of the doctors who are offered this vaccine get it as soon as they can. A health insurance lobbyist and former state official has been chosen as the next director of Nebraska Department of Insurance. Governor Pete Ricketts has announced that he's appointed Eric Dunning of Omaha to lead the state agency. He's been director of government affairs for Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Nebraska since 2013 and has more experience as an attorney at the Nebraska Department of Insurance before that. He replaces Department Director Bruce Ramsey, who's retiring this month as the state's longest-serving insurance director. Amtrak says it plans to resume daily passenger service on its southwest chief route in Kansas beginning May 31st 
The service was reduced to three days a week in October in response to the coronavirus pandemic. New federal funding will allow Amtrak to restart the daily Southwest Chief route, which runs from Chicago to Los Angeles, with several stops in Kansas, including Kansas City, Topeka, and Garden City. Amtrak has also announced that it plans to eventually add a new route that would connect the Southwest Chief to Oklahoma and Texas, through a station in Newton, Kansas. Well, that's a check of the latest in news. I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. And last Friday, I had the opportunity to present you the beginning of my Friday feeder conversation with Dick Helms of Flying H Genetics. You can still listen to our whole interview uninterrupted when you visit the Friday feeder web store at ruralradionetwork.com. Today, though, I want to continue our conversation where we left off. Dick Helms and Flying H Genetics started developing bulls on more roughage than grain almost six decades ago. Dick explains that for his bulls to make it to the sale ring, they must pass a 17 quality standard and be a bull that can service cows season after season for a customer. One of the big advantages Dick sees from his roughage and ready development system is seeing the bulls in their working clothes and knowing how good genetics look instead of trying to cover issues with a fat bull. We jump back into the conversation about what Dick has seen firsthand from developing his bulls in this method. Well, one of the first things is, is we're able to really identify the good bulls. Some bulls put on fat really easy and they'll look good. But again, it doesn't change the genetics underneath. And so by developing the bulls to where you actually see what you really have and you're not hiding it with fat, uh, makes it much easier to identify and sort out those good bulls and eliminate the ones that are not good enough. We have found that the bulls are much more aggressive breeders. You know, fat can actually be inhibiting. I kind of sometimes compare it to high school football when you started football practice in the fall. You weren't in shape. Why would we want to fatten up bulls and expect them to go breed cows when they're not in condition to do that? So we think it's really important to have these bulls conditioned and developed, ready to breed. They are more aggressive breeders. There's no adjustment time, and they last a lot longer. I had a call just a couple weeks ago from a customer saying that, well, he thought it was time to change his bull, and we got to figuring up, and that bull was nine years old and still functioning fine. So... Uh, It does add to longevity, which improves the profitability of the rancher. If he pays 5,000 for a bull and he gets to use him four, five, six years instead of two or maybe three years, his cost to breed those cows went down. Talked about a lot of the positives of things that you've seen firsthand, that your customers have seen firsthand. With this over the years, over the generations, have you seen any drawbacks or disadvantages in the way you've done Roughage and Ready? And maybe that's why you've improved it at different times. No, we've kind of tweaked it a little bit over the years, but it is something that works very well. Now, I can tell you that it actually costs us money. Because I know that if we fattened our bulls, they would look bigger. They'd have bigger weaning and yearling weights. And, the, you know, looking at them, they look prettier. They look thicker. They look deeper, all of those kind of things. But, again, it doesn't change the genetics. And we're more interested in getting our customers the right kind of cattle and not trying to hide what we're doing and making them look better. But, yeah, I've been to enough bull sales to know that fat sells. That has hurt our profitability but we're still in this business for our customers and we know in the long run it's in their best interest 
You talk about tweaking the program from time to time just to make it maybe a little more efficient or a little better in certain areas. I guess what what has been some of the evolutions that have come along that have kind of tweaked the program over the years? Well, actually, uh, kind of a sidelight to this was as we were developing our bulls that way, we got to analyzing how we develop our replacement heifers, which is the other half of the genetics of every bull is what's his mother like. And so we developed what we call our heifer challenge program. And we used to feed our heifers, develop them, have them in pretty good condition, ready to breed. And then a year or two later, we'd have some fallout because the heifers weren't as good as what we thought. So our heifer challenge basically starts at weaning time. We sort off the obvious calls, keep a much higher percent of our heifers than normal. Because even with all the paperwork and the DNA and everything, I still can't identify our best cows at that age. So we keep more of the heifers. Then we challenge them. We put them out on corn stalks. We make them forage for a living. We supplement just enough to get a pound, pound and a half a gain. And so when it comes uh, time to do our pre-breeding measurements, uh, pelvic measurements, our weights and all of those things, we can, again, sort through those heifers. And those rough-haired, kind of shallow-gutted type heifers sure show up why they don't look as good, why they didn't do as good as the other heifers on the same ration. I don't know and I don't care, but they make awful nice feedlot heifers. So again, we use the ability of those cattle to perform under a roughage type situation to identify the cattle that then can go on and live on pasture for eight to 10 years raising good calves. Again, we're talking with Dick Helms, Flying H Genetics, the patented, trademarked, roughage and ready bull system, just now explaining to us as well the heifer challenge. This isn't just for the male end of the seed stock. He's developing the females as well on these more roughage-based systems, finding what he calls getting down to the true genetic profile, really seeing those cattle in their working clothes. Dick, we appreciate your time walking us through this and, and how it's been beneficial for your operation, what your customers have seen. So is there anything we've overlooked or final or close? thoughts for our interview well our basic philosophy hasn't really changed but we've gotten better at it uh, you know dna testing is an example we know that that's a way to help us identify and eliminate uh, inferior genetics and propagate the superior ones the other thing that we've found and and over the years we've added different breeds uh, crossbreeding is a critical component of profitability in the beef industry and utilizing breeds that complement themselves have some tremendous advantages, not only in producing better cattle, but in adding more profits. And so that's why we offer our customers more than one breed or combination of breeds, put them through the roughage and ready or growing on grass development program to make sure that they can go to make that rancher profitable. Then again, the rest of the conversation with Dick Helms of Flying H Genetics, our Friday feeder feature from last week. Again, you can catch our whole interview as one uninterrupted segment when you check out the story at RuralRadioNetwork.com. Have a good afternoon, and thanks for listening to the Rural Radio Network. With Monday's business report, I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks rose broadly in afternoon trading on Wall Street as the economy showed more signs that it's continuing to recover. The government reported last week that employers went on a hiring spree in March, adding 916,000 jobs, the most since August. Investors had a delayed reaction to the encouraging job growth news, which was released on Friday when the stock trading was closed. 
services sector also showed strong growth in March. Tesla surprised investors with a report that vehicle deliveries doubled during the first quarter. The U.S. services sector, which employs most Americans, recorded record growth in March as orders, hiring, and prices all surged. The Institute for Supply Management, an association of purchasing managers, reported today that its non-manufacturing index rose to an all-time high, 63.7 last month, from 55.3 in February. Anything above 50 signals growth, and the services sector is on a 10-month winning streak since rebounding from the economic impact of the coronavirus last spring. The U.S. Supreme Court is siding with Google in an $8 billion copyright dispute with Oracle. The justices sided with Google 6-2 to two today. The case has to do with Google's creation of the Android operating system, now used on the vast majority of smartphones worldwide. To create Android, which was released in 2007, Google wrote millions of lines of new computer code, but it also used 11,330 lines of code and an organization that's part of Oracle's Java platform. Google says what it did is long-settled common practice in the industry, a practice that has been good for technical progress, and the U.S. Supreme Court agreed. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. happens to be agronomy week and one company is giving back to the ffa good afternoon i'm susan littlefield on the rural radio network i had the opportunity to speak with pete eitenbrook he's with dekalb asgro and delta pine as a brand lead we talked about this give back during this week's agronomy week yeah, thanks. So as you said, uh, we'll be celebrating Agronomy Week again this year, April 5th through April 9th. And the event is really intended to salute local agronomists and those crop professionals that really play such a vital role in farmer success each and every year. Uh, during Agronomy Week, you know, we'll be offering and sharing some world-class agronomic advice and educational events. But as you mentioned, we're also taking it uh, in a little different direction this year. Uh, we're going to take the opportunity to raise FFA scholarship dollars um, so it should be really exciting. How can farmers get involved? Because I understand it, that's $10 that is going for every question that is submitted. Yeah, that's right. So during Agronomy Week, um, we'll be hosting a live TV program that we're calling the Agronathon, which will air on RFD TV from 9 to 11 p.m. Central Time on Thursday, April 8th. And in addition to, you know, some entertainment and some educational content, viewers will have the opportunity to call in and have their agronomy questions answered live on the air uh, by DeKalb Asgro Delta Pine brand um, agronomists. And for every question that's submitted during the Agronathon, we'll donate $100 to FFA scholarships. And now additionally, as you mentioned, we'll also donate $10 for every question that's submitted online. And folks can jump onto their social media accounts, uh, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, um, and submit their questions using the hashtag Agronathon, or they can submit their questions at agronomyweek.com. So again, my understanding, $100 if they participate during the live program with their question, and $10 if they utilize Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or your website, agronomyweek.com. That's right. That's right. What excitement, what excites you guys Um at DeKalb and Asgro and Delta Pine when it comes to FFA? Well, you know, FFA really has been, you know, an institution in agriculture that not only has created 
and develop the future leaders in agriculture, but across many industries, right? And and so I know, you know, as I look across bear crop science where I work, many, many of the leaders within our organization can track a lot of the tools and the skills that they learned back to some of the foundational pillars that they learned in FFA. Talk a little bit about Agronomy Week that's taking place. What a neat opportunity to educate so many. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so this will be the fifth year that we've done Agronomy Week, and it really started out as an opportunity for us to take a step back and show gratitude for local agronomists, seed dealers, you know, folks that work at your local extension office, because, you know, the the fact of the matter is nobody farms alone. And everybody, you know, needs that support crew around them. And, you know, we, we focus a lot on on driving top end performance and innovation and and really driving those yields. But at the end of the day, it's the people that make the biggest difference. And so what a great opportunity during Agronomy Week um, to recognize those folks and show show a bit of gratitude. And again, they can find out more about the Agronathon Scholarship Program and Agronomy through through a great website that you guys have put up. That's right. Folks, if they want more information, uh, they can go to agronomyweek.com. And remember, during Agronomy Week, use that hashtag agronathon uh, so that we can uh, start banking up those dollars for FFA. If you'd like to find out more information about how you can participate in scholarship fundraiser for the FFA, go to agronomyweek.com. I'm Susan Littlefield, the World Radio Network. Good afternoon. Time now to take a focused look on what's happening in the grain market as John Payne joins us, Senior Market Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. A decent day for the grains as we look at the numbers except for the nearby corn, John. Yeah, I think you're seeing just some shuffling of the cards, so to speak. Uh, a lot of movement off the front end, more to where the story lies, at least relative to the uh, report we got last week. So folks want to be long December or anything new crop here. I think that'll live for a little longer, and I look for the front months to take the lead here. Uh, Brazilian weather is important. Uh, this, this, you know, the action in KC Wheat, I think, would be helpful as well. The, the fact that, that KC Wheat's been such a dog in the front end, uh, that doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence above, you know, 560, 570, which, you know, are the recent highs from the front months. So, all in all, not a bad trade. Anytime you see the green markets, uh, you want to be happy on a Monday. We're going to start to get crop progress data tonight uh, for uh, at least condition-wise for wheat, and then you know, starting in the next few Mondays, we'll get the crop crop harvest or crop planting report. So there's a lot to talk about that. I was going to ask, how much do you think that could possibly influence this wheat market as we head into tonight's overnight trade and then the full day trade tomorrow? I think the conditions numbers are important. Uh, I think out east is really more where the surprise could lie. We've been getting, you know, weekly or monthly reports rather through the winter and then weekly reports for the KC wheat really up till you know, they're, I guess, more smaller scale surveys. But, um, you know, this will be the first look we get at Chicago wheat. And that's where the supply tightness is. So we should see how we, we handle that. Obviously, any KC bullishness uh, that we get should send some shorts to the, to the sidelines here. But I don't think there's a whole lot of move above six bucks yet. Uh, you know, there's just good weather in Russia, good weather here, and it's difficult to get bullish with, with uh, the time of the year. From the corn, the weekly export inspections were considered strong today. Corn's got a story. I mean, there's, we're not seeing much rationing of demand here. Um, I think, you know, the continued growth uh, of the economy, the support ethanol prices, and, you know, in my opinion, it just, like I said, comes down to weather. I do think you'll see more acreage added into the corn market as we get through the summer, given the weather. But uh, at this point in time, I don't think the market's going to trade it. Real quick, speaking of weather, South America's got their own struggles that continue. 
Yes, Brazil is worth watching here. So their second crop represents two-thirds of what they totally grow uh, is, is exposed here over the next couple of months. Uh, so, you know, if they have it, the market's probably steady. I think you're seeing Brazilian offers starting to creep a little bit below the U.S., but they still have to grow it, so be ready for some surprises there as well. All right, sounds good. Thanks so much. John Payne joining us today. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, not suitable for all investors. You're listening to the World Radio Network. All right, thank you very much, Susan. That will wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. You can check out our Midday podcast sponsored by Duvenny Motors at krvn.com or wherever Midday or podcasts are available.